Welcome back to another episode of The Emily Show. This week, we are diving into two employment lawsuits affecting Dave Ramsey. Yep, the finance guy. (laughs) But also a Christian-based company owner who's definitely getting into it a little bit with his employees, and we're going to explore that. But first, because it's a podcast episode, we need to start with a quote. Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. First Amendment, U.S. Constitution. Because it's going to apply and we're going to talk about it, so we might as well have the actual language on the books before we jump all the way in to this week's episode, which it is time for. So let's just get into it. Hey there, welcome to The Emily Show. I'm your host, Emily D. Baker, badass lawyer and everyone's favorite legal commentator, breaking down the legal shit in the news and pop culture stories you want to talk about. I've been a licensed attorney for over 15 years. I'm a former prosecutor and I'm a big fan of the cursey words. So let's break it down. Before we get all the way into it, though, I'm going to share a few new reviews of The Emily Show because they are fantastic and I appreciate it. The first one is from Warrior Princess 7 on Apple Podcasts that says, awesome and articulate. Why? Thank you. Love how Emily makes legal jargon interesting, does an excellent job breaking down the dense terminology and distilling for us non legal experts. Keep the great episodes coming. Will do warrior princess seven. Thank you so much from KMS Jim versus, uh, versus <laughs> via Apple podcast. It says yes, please for a deep dive into the Tamara judge litigation for sure. That will be coming. And then goes on to say, love, love, love your podcast. I am a 30 year litigator and closet housewife fan. You do a fantastic job of explaining the simple legal details and the difficult legal details and making it entertaining all at the same time. Thank you for the content. Thank you very much for a kind and generous review from someone else in the profession. I always wonder, are are lawyers like, but we've simplified that way too far. Yes, sometimes we do simplify it pretty far, but it serves our purpose to get the point across and to help everyone learn along the way. So I very much appreciate that review. And one more from Patty Pretty via Apple Podcasts, new favorite podcast, and goes on to say, I feel so smart after I listen to this. Thank you. Everything is simply explained and entertaining too. You need to give it a listen. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And hopefully people will. I love watching the podcast grow worldwide. This week's episode of the podcast is brought to you by the Law Nerd Shop over at lawnerdshop.com. In June, we are selling our pride collection. 10% of the proceeds are going to the Trevor Project in the form of a donation to support the work they do for LGBTQIA plus youth and protecting, helping, and supporting the mental health And I think that that is mental health support is tremendously important. And I'm happy that we are able to use uh, the Pride Collection not only to share Lawnard Pride and share uh, my and our community support for the LGBTQIA plus community, but also, but also to be able to put our money where our, you know, where our interests are. And that's something that is a closely held value. So far, we have been able to donate to the Community Resource Center here in Nashville to support uh, cleanup efforts after the Christmas Eve bombing in downtown Nashville and to Rain, which is the largest anti-sexual violence organization. And we are going to have more to come. So your support helps us do good in the world, and it's very much appreciated. Now let's talk about somebody who I think thinks that they're doing good in the world and I don't know if they're doing good for their employees because there's a few employees that definitely don't feel like that's what's happening (laughs) at all. And I have to say, the reason I'm covering the two Dave Ramsey suits, not only because people have reached out and asked and because I'm fascinated, but because this intersection of religious freedom and laws against discrimination and employment law and these 
boundaries in your work life versus your non-work life are going to continue to come up and the conversations are going to continue to come up as employees' non-working life becomes more available to employers through things like social media and when you work in a a you know at will employment state and lots of them are these lawsuits come out of Tennessee where the boundaries of at will and discrimination are and what are the restrictions if any that an employer can set when it comes to determining how their employees behave both at work and out of work because what we're seeing is an employee's out of work behavior can negatively impact a company. We talked about that a little in the last episode with regard to Amy Cooper, who was widely known in pop culture as the Central Park Karen for making what seems to be a false police report against, and I say seems to be because the prosecution was brought and then dropped because she did a diversion program, so she wasn't convicted of it, but she was charged with making a false police report against a black bird watcher in Central Park. The video of it went viral. She was terminated from her job. Uh, There were calls for her to be terminated from her job, but her behavior, walking her dog in Central Park, and then everything that transpired after, negatively impacted her employer, negatively impacted people's perception of her employer, and they terminated her for that. And we're going to see this happen more. Um, There's episodes on the channel and on the podcast about Yelp's new tags for businesses. If businesses have been determined or employees of that business have been determined to be involved in racist behavior, that the behavior of an employee can label a business on Yelp as a racist business. So we're going to see more, I think, restrictions in outside of workplace behavior. We're also seeing things like FTC rulings saying that um, an employee's discussions of the company or representation of a company can fall under advertising laws and could potentially subject a company to liability for advertising laws and restrictions. So we're going to continue to see this playing out. And I think the conversation is worth having as to what the boundaries are between an employee's right to choose a workplace. And if the workplace is adequately uh, described to them, if the expectations are made clear, then is it on them to adhere as long as the practices are non-discriminatory? Or are there things that workplaces just can't require of employees? Are there boundaries to how invasive an employer can be into an employee's private life? And for small business owners, uh, the impact of an employee like going rogue on Twitter can be even more devastating than we look at a large company like Ramsey uh, Solutions uh, under their corporation, the Lampo Group. But really, it's Dave Ramsey's stuff. Who is Dave Ramsey? You're probably wondering if you are not someone familiar with Dave Ramsey. So let's have that conversation real quick. So the Third Amendment complaint in one of the two lawsuits we're going to be talking about today defines Dave Ramsey as such. It says that Ramsey is a private for-profit company that alleges to provide, quote, biblically why is that hard to say? Biblically-based common sense education and empowerment. Ramsey is not a religious institution, church, nor affiliated with any specific church. Ramsey is the founder of Ramsey Solutions, and they say, quote, they say that he says, quote, I've got a right to tell my employees whatever I want to tell them, which apparently he recently said in a radio segment Q&A, and then he said that they freaking work for me. The products you might be familiar with are things like his radio show segments. He gives a lot of financial advice, has something called the baby steps, something called an app called like every dollar. Uh, There's a lot of people who subscribe to his financial advice. Not all of his financial advice is bad. There is some of his financial advice and approaches that we have embraced. Um, His financial education and his Financial Peace University is something that is regularly run through church programs. He makes no qualms about, he does not hide the fact that he runs a Christian company that is biblically based, but it's based on his understanding of the Bible. It doesn't seem to be based on one particular church and teachings of one particular church, which actually is going to be relevant in both of these lawsuits. So there's two. One is 
I'm calling the premarital sex lawsuit because it is an employee who got pregnant, though in a long-term and committed relationship outside of marriage because she and her partner are not married. When she asked the company for the necessary paperwork she would need for FMLA leave and the medical things and all of that, it went up through the chain of command at the office and she was terminated. They contend not for being pregnant, but for having sex outside of marriage, premarital sex as a grown adult, because it also talks about her needing the medical information because her pregnancy would be a geriatric pregnancy, which is generally over the age of 35. So we are talking about an adult, a fully fledged adult, a grown woman and her partner, her long-term relationship who just isn't her spouse. We'll get into it. The second lawsuit filed on April 15th, 2021 in Williamson County, Tennessee, not in federal court like the employment lawsuit, is a former employee alleging that there is a cult-like work environment and is suing for discrimination, not just any discrimination, religious discrimination, fraud, and misrepresentation. Um, This is a newer employee to the company saying that essentially he was lured to the company under these misrepresentations to come work for the company. And then during COVID, there is behaviors during COVID that Dave Ramsey and his company engaged in that put this employee, he believes at risk, put his family at risk. They were high risk for COVID. Um, Dave Ramsey was making people come into the office, had a 900 person meeting during the time when large uh, gatherings of people were prohibited in the county where mask mandates were, were required. He has said multiple times in multiple media outlets that he was not going to be wearing a mask. He believed that um, people worried about COVID were spiritually weak and imparted that to his employees. So there's that lawsuit. And I'm calling that the cult-like lawsuit. So there's two different types of lawsuits regarding employees for both alleged religious discrimination uh, the and both alleged types of discrimination. The premarital sex lawsuit, and you're probably going, wait, I'm sorry. What? A law... A lawsuit regarding what the employees do in their personal life, in their personal time, literally, well, maybe not in their bedroom. I'm not going to assume anyone's habits. Uh, you know, you go and on with your bad self. But in the legal speak, what people do in their bedroom is, is just colloquial. I'm not going to judge if it's your kitchen or your car or your living room. There's no judgment. But how we're talking about it. That's just what's happening. When we talk about what happens in the bedroom, not all of that is protected. So when we talk about protected classes under a variety of federal laws, these are kind of the things you cannot legally discriminate for. You cannot discriminate against someone based on their race, religion, or creed, national origin, or ancestry, sex. And sex includes their gender, their pregnancy, their sexual orientation, or their gender identity, age, uh, physical or mental disability, and veteran status. So those are reasons you cannot discriminate against somebody. The argument coming from Dave Ramsey in the premarital sex lawsuit is, well, we're not discriminating against her for being pregnant. Pregnancy is not a problem. We Embrace and welcome mothers. We are happy if you are pregnant. We are happy for you to have a family. You just need to be married. So it's not the pregnancy that's the problem. It's the sex that led to the pregnancy that's a problem. Now, this may be a difference without a distinction in court, or this may be the actual crux of the case and the thing that allows the courts to find in Ramsey's favor in this case. And we'll talk about that in just a minute. Laws can't be hostile to religion under these religious freedoms. The the freedom to practice your religion can come out in the workplace, and you can't be discriminated against because of your religion in the workplace. But also, you know, states can't make laws that disallow private employers from having um, 
you know, values based companies and Christian based companies or Catholic based companies or, you know, Muslim based companies. You can't tell people that they can't adhere to a value structure in their company, but they can't discriminate against other religious beliefs in their company. It, when it comes to non private employers, when we talk about public entities or churches, it's different. We're just talking about private employers. And Ramsey Solutions is a private company in an at-will employment state that hires employees and has a uh, now well-known righteous living policy among their other core values. We're just going to take a minute to talk about the core values and the mission statement that have been shared as part of discovery in this case and part of the public records court documents. If you are listening to the podcast, you are welcome to head over to the corresponding YouTube video if you would like to see these. So this exhibit is the Ramsey Solutions mission statement, and it says that Ramsey Solutions provides biblically-based common-sense education and empowerment that give hope to everyone in every walk of life, that their core values are team. We are team members, not employees. Crusade. We are crusaders doing work that matters. I'm, I'm, I, we're just going to hope we get this right. Collegians 323. We do our work as unto the Lord. We're going to talk about that too, because I think people's own held beliefs about what doing their work unto the Lord means is going to vary by employee because Christianity is a fairly broad concept, and that is going to come up. Excellence in the ordinary. We are faithful in the little things. Family. We balance family and working hard. Never give up. We impose our will on the marketplace. Remember, one of these suits is alleging a cult-like environment. Just You just keep that in mind. Marketplace service. If we help enough people, we don't have to worry about money. Self-employed mentality, which says we all care and take responsibility like we own the place. Shoot sacred cows. I'm super confused by this value. I need someone to <laughs> I need someone to explain it to me. But it says we stick by our principles, we challenge traditions. What traditions are we challenging? Because aren't we holding sacred? the teachings of Christ in a Christian company. So what sacred cows are we shooting? I have so many questions about that, but not my, not my place. They're not my company values. I just find it confusing. Share the profits. We win together. We lose together. Momentum theorem. We know that focused intensity over time multiplied by God creates unstoppable momentum. I think that goes back to the crusade, uh, core value that they are on a crusade to do the work that matters. Righteous living, you're going to hear this come up a lot. Righteous living says, we believe that character matters all the time. I find that to be vague when it comes to the legal things. What does that mean? Fear not. We don't make decisions based on fear. Okay, great, but <sighs> okay. No gossip. We pass negatives up and positives all around. Well okay, but, but sometimes things are negative in a company and the negatives have to be addressed and worked on and moved past because sometimes things need to be addressed. In the lawsuit regarding the cult-like environment, the employee who is suing talked about the indoctrination that took place when he was hired. And I have articles listed uh, in the show notes of the podcast and down below in the video and he talks about the fact that the Ramsey way was the culture among employees of constantly expressing a deep personal connection with Dave Ramsey. So Dave, Dave's way, the Ramsey way, was this very deeply held connection to Dave Ramsey himself. And he talks about the fact that when he was hired in August 2019, he had three days of indoctrinating with employees who constantly praised Dave Ramsey or the Ramsey way that exaltation of Ramsey allegedly started during the onboarding process with group discussions in which employees shared so-called quote Dave stories and anecdotes about deeply personal moments where Ramsey somehow made significant impacts on their life. So this goes into this all positive. It's like this, our fearless leader 
oh, captain, my captain, is how this reads. Again, these are allegations in a lawsuit. You can say what you want to say in a lawsuit. Ramsey Solutions had said that this lawsuit contains misleading and essentially slanderous and defamatory material. So Ramsey Solutions' response is, this is all bullshit. So we'll see what the courts end up saying. Um, But some of the things jive with what's said in the other lawsuit and in the other policies going on in that lawsuit during the onboarding, the defendant or the defendant, the plaintiff in that lawsuit said that Dave had a so-called 14 point philosophy. And one of the points was no gossip. We just reviewed that. Those are the core values and explained that a general rule against backstabbing yet defined all aspects of it as a prohibition against saying anything negative about Dave Ramsey or his management decisions. So it seems that anything negative, even if it's a valid critique or criticism, might fall into that no gossip policy. It's like, no, no, that's gossip. It's like, no, I actually legitimately have questions. Can you imagine never being able to question your boss and being like, I have questions, but I have questions. It's like, no, no, that's negative, and you're gossiping. You're not allowed to bring those questions here. You need to be more grateful. My interpretation. Uh, The Interesting thing that's also alleged in this lawsuit is a manipulation of employee satisfaction reports, which landed Ramsey Solutions on Inc. Magazine's best workplaces list for years running. But the premarital sex lawsuit seems to have bumped them right off of Inc. Magazine's best places to work list. Um, I think people have questions about firing a pregnant woman for being in a committed relationship, but not being married and being terminated for having sex. So I I think some, maybe, maybe Inc. Magazine is not a fan of that decision. The rest of this lawsuit as reported, because pulling these documents is much harder and I don't have the lawsuit documents for that lawsuit, just the reporting on the documents, but I have the documents for the other lawsuit. The reporting really mirrors a lot of what is said in the premarital sex lawsuit that we'll get to in a minute, talking about this uh, full indoctrination that employees have to be pulled into the kind of Ramsey family and follow Dave's way. This article also reminded everyone that there was an incident in 2014 where Ramsey drew a loaded gun uh, during a staff meeting. (laughs) And um, I, uh, what? (laughs) I had not heard this story. I don't even think Dave Ramsey was on my radar in 2014, but there was a quote from former employees that said of Dave Ramsey, according to Nashville scenes reporting on this incident, quote, this guy who once pulled a gun, a loaded pistol out of a gift bag to teach us a lesson about gossip. It was bizarre even for Ramsey. What? 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 How are you pulling a gun in a workplace, a loaded weapon in a workplace during a staff meeting that seemed to be about people criticizing him on Twitter? And then there were lawsuits at that time too, but those were lawsuits about people making videos of him on YouTube and getting into uh, slap and anti-slap laws. And if we want to dive into the slap and anti-slap laws we can, but it seems that that's where this uh, story regarding Dave Ramsey pulling a gun out of a bag to try to teach a lesson came up uh, in the course of that other lawsuit. So there's more than a few lawsuits that have happened, but (laughs) I digress. And we're going to focus on the lawsuits at hand and this intersection of work-life balance, private life, and work life and workplace. It will be interesting to see how much the COVID atmosphere of the cult-like work environment lawsuit impacts that lawsuit because having employees say that they have people in their family at high risk for COVID and then still requiring them to come into the workplace when the lawsuit alleges there had been a confirmed case of COVID with a 900-person meeting uh, seems to be causing some stress. I'm surprised there isn't like a negligent infliction of emotional distress cause of action in that too, saying that caused so much undue stress and it should have been known that it would have caused undue stress. And the response was, you must be weak of spirit. So I'm going to be following along what happens with that lawsuit to see how the 
uh, religious discrimination, fraud, and misrepresentation goes. But this is a, a relatively new hire that was brought into Ramsey Solutions in 2019, had moved from their home in Los Angeles where they had been working uh, based on a number of promises from Ramsey Solutions that they're alleging did not come true. So the workplace environment as described in that lawsuit, I think, gives us some context for the premarital sex lawsuit that we're going to dive into. This lawsuit has been going on for some time. We are now uh, deep into the pleadings on this lawsuit and on the third amended complaint. There has been a motion to dismiss. This lawsuit was filed July 20th, 2020. So we're going to be coming up very quickly here on a year that this lawsuit's been ongoing. And we're still in, you know, the pre-litigation part of this, because we just now have this third amended complaint being filed on May 14th, 2021. And that's the document we're going to be talking about here today, because it gives us a breakdown um, and the most current breakdown. And I can intersperse what Ramsey Solutions has to say about this lawsuit. Again, they are saying that it is their right to terminate the employee. And essentially, this is not discriminatory because they're not terminating her for being pregnant. They're terminating her for violating their righteous living policy by having premarital sex. And interestingly enough, in discovery in this case, it has become clear that not only women have been terminated from Ramsey Solutions for having premarital sex. In motions regarding discovery, it has become and been discussed in public record court documents that numerous male employees have also been terminated for violating this policy in the same way. What Ramsey Solutions is going to argue to the court is that when you look at employees who engage in the same behavior, the behavior being premarital sex, the result is the same regardless of their gender, regardless of their pregnancy status, regardless of anything else, they are terminated if they violate that policy in that way. So in a defense discovery motion, this is created by uh, Ramsey Solutions attorneys, it states, and I'm quoting here, that Human Resources has disciplined eight other employees in addition to plaintiff for premarital sex since January 1st, 2016. Like plaintiff, all eight comparators, which is the other comparable employees in the similar situation treated the same way, were reviewed by Human Resources and either terminated by Human Resources or they resigned before they could be terminated. Among those eight plus plaintiff, there are five men and four women. They go on to say, therein lies the problem for plaintiff, and we believe her motion for seeking expanded discovery. Since January 1st, 2016, they have decided to terminate every employee who engaged in premarital sex, and most were men and not pregnant. That is fatal to plaintiff's sex and pregnancy discrimination claims, so she must embark on a fishing expedition to try to keep those claims alive or find new ones. The plaintiff was seeking expanded discovery for every employee who had been disciplined under righteous living policy, not just with regard to premarital sex. They also went on to provide information in this response that there were two employees disciplined by Ramsey Solutions for extramarital sex between January 1st, 2016 and the present one male and one female. Those would be individuals engaging in sex outside of their own marriage. Yikes. When it comes to that, I'm sure those of you who are familiar with Dave Ramsey might be familiar with the Chris Hogan scandal. He was an on-air personality for Ramsey, widely promoted by Ramsey. I believe he was the guy that talked about retirement, but he was having an affair outside of his marriage. His wife uh, actually published a fairly long, I think, article slash blog post about it. And he was with the company like two years while this was going on and they were having him go to therapy. And then they were having therapy report back to the company, all fairly invasive, but he was not disciplined in the same way this employee was. But Ramsey Solutions is arguing here that the extramarital sex is different than the premarital sex and that those two categories of employees legally are not comparable because the circumstances are different. So it's okay if the company deals with it in a different way. Again, everyone who had, you know, the premarital sexity sex, all of those individuals 
or terminated. Now, I understand why this is coming up because one of plaintiff's arguments here is going to be, yeah, but when a woman has sex outside of, you know, before marriage and gets pregnant, you can actually physically tell. So this policy inherently discriminates against women because there are outward telling signs that an employer at some point will become aware of. With men, not the same. I wonder, and I'm going to continue to wonder, how it has come up that five men have been terminated for this. Well, terminated or resigned. How did that, how did that come up? How, how are those conversations happening? Why is human resources that involved that they know people are having premarital sex? And people are seemingly admitting this to their employer. I have questions. One of the things that is going to be difficult, I think, for plaintiff in this case, and I am tremendously empathetic. I can't imagine what it would feel like to go to your employer, and I've done this twice, and my second pregnancy was high risk, to go to your employer and need your care for your pregnancy, then to be terminated, have your health insurance terminated, and to be kind of like, yeah, too bad, so sad. I I can't imagine the stress of it. But my personal feelings aside where, you know, firing someone who happens to be pregnant uh, feels very distasteful to me, the company has a legal right to set their standards for employment. Whether the premarital sex is a ruse to allow them to fire someone based on their gender or status as being pregnant, those things are categories that you cannot terminate for. But premarital sex isn't protected. So an employer can say this off-duty activity goes against our living policies and our standards as a Christian company. Now, the plaintiff in this case is also arguing that uh, she's being discriminated against for her religious beliefs because she is also Christian, and she has deeply and sincerely held beliefs that sex and premarital sex is not against the tenets of Christianity. Again, this is not a particular church. It's not as if you're going to the teachings of Catholicism and being like, okay, well, if you're Catholic, these are the rules. Or if you're Mormon, these are the rules. Or if you're uh, Baptist, these are the rules. It it It's the broader, more general concept of Christianity. It seems as it appeals to Dave Ramsey himself and his own interpretation, which leaves it very hard for an employee who is also Christian to say, right, but I don't see that that way. So now my views of Christianity are being discriminated against because I'm being fired for something that I didn't think was outside of a righteous living policy. So having a court determine these two different in, differing views on Christianity is going to be very interesting. And I don't know how the court is going to parse that because it is a good argument on the religious discrimination that she's saying, no, according to my beliefs, I'm, I am living in a righteous way. I am in a uh, stable and committed and loving relationship. I am bringing a, a new life into the world and that supports my beliefs. Let's, we didn't even get into the uh, different charges here. So let's get into the, well, charges. <laughs> Spoken like a criminal attorney, Emily. Let's get into the different uh, allegations in the complaint and the violations. In count one, it's a violation of the Family Medical Leave Act for retaliation and interference. The plaintiff is saying that she was entitled to receive family medical leave for the birth and care of her child, but that she was, um, you know, fired before she could actually take FMLA. So it interfered with her FMLA rights because she was terminated. So that is interference and retaliation in violation of FMLA. Count two is violation of THRA for sex and pregnancy discrimination and retaliation. That is the Tennessee version of it. And saying that because she was terminated, it is a violation of that state-specific law. They also are alleging a violation of the Tennessee Maternity Leave Act, saying that plaintiff was employed 12 months prior to her leave as a full-time employee. Defendant has a minimum of 100 employees. These are going to be the elements of what you need to prove that there was a violation of the Tennessee Maternity Leave Act, that she gave three months notice before her leave, and that she was terminated when she brought this information to her employer. 
in count four. It's a violation of TDA, disability discrimination and retaliation. That's the Tennessee Disability Act. And saying that she notified them of the disability of her high-risk pregnancy. It seemed based on age, based on the statements in this complaint that it was a geriatric pregnancy. Uh, Look, I hate that they use the word geriatric pregnancy when you were like, you know, in your 30s. But that's the medical profession's word for it. So we're just going with that. They're saying that she, uh, she was discriminated against because of her disability. She was terminated. So again, terminated because of her pregnancy in violation of the Tennessee Disability Act. Uh, count five is a violation of THRA and Title Seven religious discrimination. They argue under this count that, quote, plaintiff is a Christian. Her practice and belief of Christianity is that Christianity is above all a loving, non-punitive, and judgmental faith. So I think they're saying not punitive and judgmental in their faith. Her practice of Christianity differs from defendant. Um, and that's really the, the basis of this plaintiff's email to HR was a request for an accommodation from its strict policies, which frown on pregnancy outside of marriage. Defendant terminated her employment premised on violation of its core values, which incorporate a righteous living value allegedly premised on its interpretation of Judeo-Christian values that it believes prohibits or frowns upon premarital sex. Premised on these alleged Judeo-Christian values, defendant terminated plaintiff's employment, and after she notified them of her pregnancy, and not only terminated her employment, but in a particularly cruel manner. Again, complaints are written by the plaintiff in the light most favorable to them. These are allegations. This is their side of the story. But in a particularly cruel manner, also her health insurance benefits, which included pre- and postnatal care were terminated. Defendant terminated plaintiff because of its core value policy, uh, which discriminates against employees who do not strictly adhere to Ramsey's interpretation of Judeo-Christian values for non-work-related behavior. Plaintiff does not adhere to Ramsey's interpretation and then defended discriminated against and retaliated against her when it terminated her for having different religious beliefs than what Ramsey imposes on its employees, allowing a religious accommodation in the form of an exception to Ramsey's righteous living policy, which purports to prohibit premarital sex, would not have imposed any sort of undue hardship on Ramsey because based on information and belief, it had made exceptions for male employees in the past who had committed violations of the policy. I think they're talking about Chris Hogan, who had, you know, an affair outside of marriage. So they were asking for an exception to that. Defendant's righteous living policy, they go on to say, has a discriminatory impact on employees like plaintiff who do not share the same rigid religious beliefs. The argument to that's going to be plaintiff knew this going in. Uh, The values were made apparent. It's an at-will employment state. You chose to work for this employer knowing their beliefs. And plaintiff will say, "Um, but you can't just define Christianity any way that you want to. Count six is a violation of Title VII sex pregnancy discrimination and retaliation, which uh, kind of reiterates all that we've talked about above under a different code section. Count seven is a violation of the ADA, the Americans with Disability Act, for disability discrimination and failure to accommodate with regards to pregnancy. And then the relief requested in this is a judgment in favor of plaintiff against defendants on all counts and a declaration that it's a righteous living policy violates Title VII so that the righteous living policy itself is discriminatory. Back pay and damages for lost benefits, reinstatement or front pay. I can't imagine reinstatement. Like, how do you go back to work and be like, hey, y'all, I'm back. I I can't imagine wanting to ever step foot in a building after going through a federal lawsuit publicly with your employer over your pregnancy. I can't imagine. But I get it. And then, or front pay, which means the pay you would have gotten in the time that this is pending. Compensatory damages for embarrassment, humiliation, stress, anxiety, inconvenience, loss of enjoyment of life. Punitive damages. Remember, punitive are the punishment ones. It's like, you suck, pay more. Liquidated damages under the FMLA, which are the damages included within that uh, provision. Attorney's fees and expenses and prejudgment interest, if applicable, post-judgment interest, such other further relief as the court deems necessary. I think this is an important lawsuit. I'm very interested to see how the courts parse it. It 
it touches on so much that is becoming so blurry with regard to our private lives that are really no longer private. Now, when I talk about that, choosing to work for an employer is different than choosing to do what I do. I work on the internet. Um, I've opened parts of my life up more so because of the way that I work. What I do on Twitter can directly impact my work. What I do on social media is where I make money. I work with companies that sponsor various shows and and work with me, and I take that responsibility seriously, but I chose that. Just like Caitlin, the plaintiff in this case, chose to work for Ramsey knowing what their core values were. But I wonder if at the time of work, righteous living, if you are also Christian, you're like, oh, well, righteous living to me means this. And then you come to learn later, oh, wait a second. We're all interpreting this differently. I don't think this works the way you think this works. And I don't think this works the way that I think this works. And I think we're seeing a little bit of that in the cult-like behavior lawsuit as well. The argument that um, the indoctrination and the don't question maybe allowed employees to kind of be swayed away when they're like, no, this isn't what I thought I signed up for. But it is also at will. Employers have the right to set their values. And even though this result feels really weird to me because these are grown adults consenting to engage in sexual behavior, I also am not, (laughs) she's not a Christian. The YouTube audience is going to get that way more than the podcast audience is going to get it. But I also don't have, and it's hard for me to comment on others' deeply held beliefs that premarital sex is wrong um, because those just aren't my beliefs. But I'm trying to not put my own beliefs into the judgment about legally how this should come out. But it's hard (laughs) because it's hard in this, like it's hard in this case for me. Um, because you have a right to your religious beliefs and you have a right to practice them without being in them being infringed on. And employers have the right to set values and employees have the right to say that works for me or that doesn't work for me. I could see this going in favor of Ramsey solutions primarily because other employees, not just females, were all treated equally under this policy. And this policy does not strike at protected behavior. And I can see courts narrowly um, reading this and going, look, your gender is a protected class, but you're getting busy outside of marriage isn't really something that the court is involved with. It's not discriminatory. You chose to work there. You knew the policy. You could have chosen to leave. You could have chosen not to get pregnant. So your choices um, are your own, but the employer is also allowed to set some guidelines. And we're going to keep seeing different versions of this, even where we think the result is really strange because I think a lot of us are like, well, that's not what I would do in my workplace. But if you, if you're an entrepreneur, if you own a business, if you employ people, what kind of boundaries on behavior might you want? Um, You're going to want to hire employees that see the world similarly to you, especially if they are out in public as your employees, they reflect on you. When I talk to creators on YouTube, I talk about having moderators. I love the moderators that work with my channel. We come from very different backgrounds. We have different beliefs, but we all adhere to kind of the core values of my channel. Cause when you are my moderator and on my channel, it's also a reflection of me. And I am very mindful of that. And so we do have some boundaries about how we do things as moderators because they do, um, and can impact my business. And I also don't want my beliefs to negatively impact them because they're connected to me the same way I'm connected to them. And I talk about this with creators a lot because the people that you connect with you, even in collaborations, the people that connect with you, if they go rogue on the internet, it can blow back on you. And we saw this, I think, with uh, very, very publicly with Rachel Hollis going fucking wild in that TikTok video. And I have videos on my YouTube channel, my thoughts kind of breaking that down, but she put out a fairly 
awful, my opinion. TikTok, where she's ranting about privilege and the nice lady that cleans her toilet. And it's just, it's a bad take. I think she was trying to be funny. It, it just, it wasn't. It came off horribly. Her apology was horrible. She threw her team under the bus, then deleted it. Her second apology was horrible. It was just, it was all bad. It was just, it was badly done. The TikTok never should have gone up. It was just, it was awful. If you want to see it, I have videos on it. But others that had been connected with her, uh, Jenna Kutcher, if you're not an entrepreneur, you're like, Emily, what the fuck? Who are you talking about? Yeah, I get it. Other online entrepreneurs and Amy Porterfield had to come out and actually make statements about the behavior of somebody, Rachel Hollis, that they had been publicly connected to because their audience were like, uh, go get your girl. Like, what the fuck has happened here? And who you're connected to publicly can impact you. And it's something that we all um, need to be mindful of in the creator and entrepreneurial space. When you are an employee, the same thing can happen. Who you are connected to can matter. When I talk to high schools about juvenile prosecutions, and that's a story for a different day, but we talked about the fact that your friends can have negative impacts on you and, and based on cases I'd prosecuted, but also based on if your friends are sending you uh, text messages of pictures that they might have received from someone, either consensually or non-consensually, and they share that with you, that can rope you in to a whole big mess too. The people that you're connected with really do matter. And the more public things become, the more that matters. Because I think we're seen as having more choice about who we associate with than, you know, way back in the Dizzy when it's like, oh, they live by me. Like, what do you want me to do? I think there's more expectation that we are moderating who we spend our time with. And I think it's being evaluated more, particularly if you live your life more in the online sphere. So it's something that employers are having to be as mindful of as, you know, entrepreneurs, influencers, and online business owners. We all have to be mindful of who we associate with and how it's perceived because the online space isn't super forgiving at the moment. And until we get to a place where people can say, yes, I I used to associate with that person and then they did things and I moved away until we have the ability to say, oh yeah, you chose a different, you made a different choice. You changed your mind and that's okay. Till we get back to like allowing humans to be humans and to change their mind and grow and maybe not judge them on everything they've ever done and say, oh, you've grown, you've changed. They changed from the time that you associated with them. Until that happens, I can see why businesses are going to continue to be hyper vigilant and cautious about this. And I can see why influencers feel the same way. And that goes back to last week's episode talking about Sephora breaking ties with uh, controversial conservative influencer Amanda Ensing over statements that she made. And it's just going to keep being a thing. So I don't have an answer for this. I'm going to keep seeing what the courts are doing with this. I'm going to keep an eye on what kind of culturally people are doing with this on Twitter and responses to, you know, the cancellation of everyone for anything. I mean, that overly and grossly distills it, but you know what I mean? I'm going to be keeping an eye on how, how it's all kind of playing together because we do all get to make choices. And we get to make choices of who we work for, but where are the boundaries of what the people that we choose to work for can and cannot impose on us is a very interesting thing. I would love to know your thoughts on this with regard to how employers navigate a world where their employees' behavior can truly negatively impact their business and how they regulate that and the line between regulating company values and just straight up discrimination, like where those lines are and how we protect both employees' private lives and companies' interest in protecting company and brand reputation and where those two things lie and how they work together and how the courts are going to decide if this is religious discrimination because two individuals have two different viewpoints on what Judeo-Christian values even mean. I am very interested to see what happens. I think it raises some good questions. And though the result seems very funny to me, I don't think this is a cut and dry case, even though it's very weird to me that an employer is like, you're having premarital sex, out, out, adult, out. It's, it's weird to me, but 
that doesn't mean it's illegal. Just because it, it hits weird for me, because this is not something I care about deeply, I can imagine if it was something I cared about deeply, it'd be like, no, yes, no, I care about this deeply. This is a core value of mine. I have made that core value an expectation. You have violated that expectation. Goodbye. Like, I can understand both sides of this, and I'm very curious to see what the court does. That was a very long and rambling end to this here podcast. Thank you for joining me for another episode of The Emily Show. Please let me know your thoughts um, on the YouTube video down below and on social media. If you're just listening to the audio version of the podcast, don't forget to join the text crew at textemily.com or in the link in my bio on any of my socials uh, so that you can connect with me in different ways and keep up with what I'm up to. We're still in a panorama ding dong, I think. So I'm going to raise a glass. We're going to keep doing this sign off. Tell me if we should just keep it. Do we just keep it after the pandemic? Do we just, do we just keep the sign off? Maybe we do. So raise a glass or a coffee or a fist, whatever you have, raise a hand, raise a glass. So raise your glass. Uh, I haven't sang it all this episode. Emily, rein it in, rein it in. (laughs) If you are, okay, stop it. May your Wi-Fi be strong. May your toilet paper be plentiful. May your family be well, and may the odds be ever in your favor. I will talk to you next week. Thanks for being a Law Nerd. I appreciate you for being here. Hey there, Law Nerd. Thanks for being with me another week. I know that you love the podcast, but did you know that I have a lot of content over on the YouTube? And when I say a lot, I mean a lot of content, long form content short form content, sometimes even YouTube shorts, come on over to YouTube and check it out. I live stream with the Law Nerds every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Central and Fridays for Friday Night Live at 7 p.m. Central. You can find it down in the show notes or at the Emily D. Baker. Just put it in the search bar of YouTube and it'll pull me right up. Go ahead and hit that subscribe. We're getting very close to purple hair. Can't wait to see you over on the YouTubes and go ahead and leave a comment that you're coming over from the podcast. See you soon.